0: This week, Father Paul begins his discussion of Genesis chapter 11 by explaining the significance in the story of the peoples of the earth speaking the same language. He notes that the story of the Tower of Babel, like scripture itself, is anti-imperial. I am happy to introduce Father Paul on the Bible as Literature podcast, Tarazi Tuesdays. It's a very interesting passage. It sounds self-standing. Well, it is as message. But then, as usual, we have connections with the terminology that we found in chapter 10. Sound-wise, the position of Genesis eleven one through 9 fits perfectly where it is it continues somehow the other message of the nations but then again sound wise it's just the original again is very important so the text goes now the whole earth had one language and few words few words according to me and i discussed this in my books is wrong, which is silly. Few words is as though they are babes and so on. This is a little bit the arrogance of the Western world, you know. It's amazing. I believe that the original, which is the barim ahadim, I believe the meaning is that the same words, in other words, they were speaking semitic languages and they were able to understand one another so that's why the author said that it has one language and it's very important to notice that the language here is Safa is the lip whereas earlier the language was rendered through Lashon tongue And that also is important. There is something going on here in the text, that each had their own Lashon tongue, but they were able to understand one another. The importance will become clear when God will intervene not to allow the people to have one language so that they won't understand one another and they won't continue their project so i believe that it is an anti-imperial obviously the entire text is anti-imperial the people were supposed to spread farad and they came in one place this is what empires do you impose one language over the others, it doesn't mean that there are not other languages, but somehow the unity is forced upon you by forcing you to have one Safa, whereas in 10 we were told that each set had their own Lashon. What I would like to stress is that the plan of God is really to allow the people to stay where they are, diversity. When you have a unity, union, you have an imposition on others to do according to the will of one. Now that will become important later on, and I discuss this extensively in my book, that everybody will speak. The Sephat Kanaan, which is the language of Zion, and I can't enter into this now, but it's very important for my hearer to realize that this text is setting up the entire biblical story, meaning that the only emperor, the only God, the only one that unifies all nations is God himself. Otherwise, it's a human endeavor, and it's not for the good, as we shall hear. Ultimately, you are imposing on others. And let's continue the text, and I shall go back and forth to have my hearers realize that this is what the text is doing. And then as men migrated from the east, here again we have Mikedem, that goes back to the Garden of Eden, which is from the east, toward the east. I think if you're looking at where you are from the east, looking at it from the east, which means it should be understood as in the east, and that fits the original garden. So when you keep this in mind, because it's very striking, with Cain we have another word from the root Kedem, but mikkedem per se, is found only once before in conjunction with the Garden of Eden, where you had the man, as though the entire humanity. But it was normal because it is God who put it that way. But now the people want to force the issue, and immediately, you are struck with two words. They found a plain. The original Hebrew is Bikah, which we shall find used several times in Ezekiel, where sometimes it is translated as plain, other times as valley. And I explained that Bikah is a spot of little water. It's not a big river. Okay, it's just a spot, so you have the notion of oasis, if you like, and this is where God appears in Ezekiel, away from the big buildings and the temples and so on, and that are built usually along the rivers. I mean, just think Mesopotamia, you can think also Egypt, but it's important to stay with Mesopotamia biblically. And It is in a place where you had just a small oasis in the plain that they wanted to erect a city. The other word that is important is Shinar. In Hebrew, it's Shinar in the land of Shinar, which is thrown there. Technically, it doesn't help very much unless the hearer recalls, and the hearer has no choice but to recall because it appeared. Only a few verses before, twice, in 10 verses 10 and 14, the beginning of his kingdom, namely Nimrod, the powerful great king, the Gibbor, was Babel, Erech, and Akkad, all of them in the land of Shinar. So immediately the hearer realizes that the connection is made with this giant king, emperor, that wanted to spread his kingdom over different places. Notice Babel, Erech, Akkad. If you know the geography, it is the entire area of Mesopotamia. They are in the land of Shinar. So this verse 2 is really the hinge for the whole story. The location is very important. Now, if you follow the Platonic approach, you say it doesn't matter, it's man who does this any place. No, it is not this way that the Bible works. (laughs) You have to remember that the concentration is on Mesopotamia because the judgment of Mesopotamia is around the corner in the oasis of Tadmor. In other words, the people living there can see how and what an oasis is and this is what god is going to do to their project of building let's go to the text and they said to one another come let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly very important this statement because you have to have dry bricks why again (laughs) contextually it's because god is going to sprinkle some rain and some water not to allow this and i shall make my comments regarding the sprinkling of water in a few verses burn them thoroughly and they had brick for stone notice the introduction of the word stone very important They use the brick instead of stone, but the author is playing on stone and taking into consideration biqa and shin'ar, then you have no choice but to mentally jump to Ezekiel where stone is bad. People have hearts of stone and God is going to destroy them and put in their stead hearts of flesh, basar, regular human being. And that is important as an aside in Ezekiel. People always jump into Paul and the spiritual and so on. No, in Ezekiel, the spirit puts back in you a heart of flesh because only God is spirit in the Bible. And they said, let us build. Very important. We talked plentifully about building, which is not good a city, here immediately you recall the action of Cain who built a city. But here we have an addition. It is as though it is the superlative sin. They didn't only build a city as Cain did, but really they overcame it, if you like. They topped Cain. And they built a tower with its top in the heavens. Now, I would like to point out to my hearers, whether they agree or disagree with me, it doesn't matter. I think I have a point there, that in Isaiah chapter 5, 2, where God had a vineyard, we hear also that he built a tower where the guardian of the vineyard stands in order to have the full overview of the vineyard and protect it. But here it is unnatural with its top in the heavens, which is the domain of God. And verse 4 is very important, central, and let us make a name. Notice, name in Hebrew is Shem. God is going to dismantle this project. And that explains to you, why immediately after that we have the Toledot of Shem that goes back to natural procreation that was established in Genesis 1. It's amazing this text, I mean chapter 11, that you have God really doing his ultimate fight against the arrogance of the human being and I believe This is intentional because after the message has been established in Genesis 1 through 11, then we have the move to Terah and Abram, Abraham, and you get into the so-called biblical story that is going to be boringly repetitious, and boring is very important, is drilling again and again and again. It's not going to work. But the message, as we shall clearly see, is already there by the end of chapter 11. Lest we be scattered abroad. last time I spoke about that verb, foots, to be scattered, which is negative. It's not like the word farad, to spread, upon the face of the earth. And here the author is already planting the seed of what he's going to do later, that God will not allow them to be in one place and not scatter. He will scatter them in order to make sure that they would follow his plan to spread all over the place. And again, I said it so many times that God has ultimately the upper hand. He gives you the impression that he's allowing you to do whatever you want, but his plan will succeed at the end. And this is the basis of the hope in Paul. It's not that he can prove it to you. He can only show you that this is how it works in Scripture. And that's why the minds of the hearer, Paul's Gentile hearers, had to be scripturalized. Remember that famous chapter. In one Corinthians ten, where he sucks them back into the story of the scriptural forefathers that they were also in Egypt, and that is very important, and not only liturgically hymns and censers and so no, no no, it's the mind, it's the mind that has to be formatted that way, so in this sense, this passage is really central powerful of the essence necessary whatever you want to say it is there and the lord came down to see the city and the tower the way later in the prophets he comes down to see the sins of his people came down obviously from heaven so the people wanted to reach it the text is very funny it's a tragic comedy you want to go up there no I'll save you the trip. I'll come down myself. Which the sons of men had built. Notice the word, B'nai Ha'adam. If you go back to chapter 6, we realize that we had B'not Ha'adam, the women. The men thought of themselves as B'nai Elohim. That is also a play. So, slowly on you realize that this chapter 11 in its full part sums up everything that happened until now. The Bible as Literature is a production of the Ephesus School Network.